WFAE's David Borex has the story. Tariq Bakari and Larkin Eggleston call their podcast R&D in the QC. Eggleston says they hope to reach people who may not pay attention to the council. Eggleston is 35 and a Democrat. Bakari is a 37-year-old Republican. Despite their political differences, they bonded on the campaign trail in part over their beards, says Bakari. The beards themselves are what truly united us in the beginning. They hope to be an example of how to debate productively across the political divide. Episode 53, Cross Charlotte Trail, Food Systems, Four-Year Terms, Boards and Commissions, and much, much more. Episode 53. Tonight we discussed a whole lot of things. It was a long strategy session, and we'll cover as many of the topics as we can get to. Let's do it, man. Episode 53. Coincidence? Super Bowl 53 last night? R&D in the QC episode 53 today? I did not realize that. I did. Been thinking about it all day, in fact. Let's hope that our podcast is more enjoyable than that miserable football <laughs> that game. Was, yeah. And and the only way that the halftime show, uh, I, I thought it was about to redeem itself when Big Boy pulled out in the Cadillac, and then he was immediately gone. Yeah. He was out for like 90 seconds. Totally agree. I don't need, he didn't even do but one song and not even all of that song. Yeah. Really disappointing. And where's Andre? I don't know. Sleepy Brown. I think that was Sleepy Brown up there. And had a Sleepy Brown spotting in a long time. And Sleepy Floyd? No, no, no. Sleepy Sleepy Brown. Isn't that his name? <laughs> Look, all I know is, uh, yeah, that, that was weird. But you know what? Defense wins championships. Oh, you got me wondering if his name's Sleepy Brown. Defense wins championships. It is. Okay. And much uh, like uh, much like in uh, but our North, Super Bowl 53, but our, but our, in episode 53, defense wins championship council meetings. But our... Uh, our Carolina, uh, Carolina's favorite son in the Super Bowl last night, Mr. Gurley, got no love. They came, you know, he's from from Pitts. No, where is he from? Somewhere down east. He's from North Carolina, is the point. And uh, they didn't use him. It's a great story. You're you're. Going it was such right a waste. Now. There was a great article in the Observer about Todd Gurley's growing up, his background. Made me really love the guy. Watched the game last night, hoping that he was going to dominate. And uh, he, he got no love, just like in the championship game. Got to wonder if he was hurt. Okay, great story, Larkin. I thought we were talking about the Super Bowl. Well, yeah. Anything? Any final thoughts on the Super Bowl before we get down to business? Todd Gurley should have gotten the ball more. I like seeing Julian Edelman um, get that MVP. I think he's a great story. Rather him get it than Brady. And uh, you have a thing about uh, about not liking people that are the greatest of all time. Is that, is that your problem? Yeah. My biggest issue with that team is Belichick, followed by Brady, followed by Kraft. Don't hate, man. Tom Brady, greatest of all time to ever touch a football. Belichick, probably the same, but not sure. Uh, maybe it's just Brady that, that's dragging him along. Anyway, we're outside of our area of expertise. Let's drop into what we do know, oh, no, not, which is long, annoying this. city council meetings. Talk us through uh, what, what what we did today. So we had, starting at 5, ending at 10.15, an, no, an eight-item agenda. Uh, only two items of which were in any way succinct. 
Mm. So we will not attempt to unpack all eight of those, lest we be here till tomorrow. Mm. But I think we've got four that were the hot topics that we can unpack. And so in order, we'll talk Cross Charlotte Trail. We got uh, an update on that and gave the manager some direction to move forward. Um, City Council four-year terms. Oh. I think, uh, and I agreed with your point wholeheartedly. How are we still talking about I this? Mean, we can just talk um, about something until literally. And I will say at least your reference to scooters, at least scooters, we ended up with something. This four-year terms thing is all going to be for naught. But uh, yeah, that's we're going to waste a ton of time, and then it's going to fail. And the voters are going to come back <laughs> and, and tell everyone resoundingly that's a dumb idea. Don't do it, and we'll have burnt another may, several maybe, cycles. Maybe we'll move the needle on the issue, and it'll be sixty-five to thirty-five instead of sixty-six to thirty-four, which is what they usually vote it down at a rate of. So glad to be part of this. Um, updating our boards and commissions, which is important. Yeah, and well, more important than uh, I think. I, then many realized, would have realized going into that conversation. And then uh, something I'm really passionate about, a uh, food system farmer's market study that was done and some action that the city might be able to take. Interesting data from that. Really interesting. Very interesting. And I saw it sometime last year and have been um, begging to get that presented to the full council for three months or so, so I was glad we finally got to it tonight. So uh, Cross Charlotte Trail update. It was a divided council on which way to move forward, but we were presented tonight with with two options. Option one was to kind of go back to the drawing board. As everybody knows from our past episodes and every other media outlet in Charlotte, we have a huge funding shortfall in terms of being able to complete the trail as promised for the cost that was was laid out or set aside. And option one said, let's press a long pause and reevaluate what segments we can do for the amount of money we have, reevaluate other ways to make some of these connections, and I think we do have to have some of those conversations, but the idea that we wouldn't put another shovel in the dirt for several years while we do all this analysis, when we've already got some shovel-ready projects on this trail that can connect huge pieces of it and create an 18-mile continuous trail from South Carolina essentially to um, north of Noda, and then I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities in redevelopments along that Noda corridor to me is a, is a missed opportunity. And I think an 18 mile trail is not the final product that we want. It's not the final product that we'll have. We'll keep pushing forward to get the full trail, but I b- believe seven to in a seven to four vote, we chose the option to move forward with the three already specked out, already designed, already budgeted segments. One of which is in your district. One is which is in mine, uh, but they connect these big pieces that are already there. So what were your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, we don't need to rehash the point that as all taxpayers, we should be frustrated and as all elected officials, we should be embarrassed of how we've gotten to this point. I think we finally got to a, to a relatively speaking good spot in that we've ripped the bandaid off. We learned through the cross Charlotte trail um, of some of the, the poor practices of the past. And we've now made the public aware through good leadership on the city manager's part, in my opinion, um, that we have a boatload of capital projects that were really done in an amateur manner in forecasting the design costs and, and everything. And right now we don't know what kind of exposure and uh, yeah, dartboards, a bunch of like, dice, a lot. Yeah. A lot, a lot, I'm picturing like cigar filled rooms, you know, everyone's like, yeah, let's do it. What do you want to do? Uh, Snake eyes. <laughs> and, 
And and so now we're ripping that World band-aid off further. Of dice. I think that the the bottom line is, and there was some pushback today, which made me a little a little bit squeamish of, well, where's the equity, and you know, should we should we move some of this these investments towards the north part of the trail and things like that? I mean, I understand the argument, but that's how we got into this situation in the first place. Shovel-ready, smaller individual capital projects that align to a bigger vision, but we don't try to guess the vision and, 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 and have taxpayers approve the entire bill, like literally on the back of a napkin. We've got three shovel-ready projects right now, and that is going to make... 18 continuous miles of trail that maximize investments that have already been that have made. already been made. So Both if you try to reshuffle county. that one, you're not going to get it done before 2021. Like this 18 miles of trail can be done. Well, there are talks about like scrapping a $3 million portion of it, which was going to yield like seven tenths of a mile yeah. down in South Charlotte to connect two big pieces, which regardless of whether you think the investment should be made in South Charlotte, scrapping, seven tenths of a mile that connects two big pieces to put seven tenths of a mile somewhere where it connects to nothing is not a logical decision. And you know what else? Here's another thing. And I'm sure I'll get skewered by, uh, by the, your, your side of our, uh, of our listenership on this. Everyone talks about equity and yes, I've tried to be focused on equity and how we can impact upward mobility, quality of life, all those things all around town. So all boats rise, but that same equity, you know, uh, point of contention i think applies to this as well district six in south charlotte right represents two percent of an 800 plus million dollar capital uh, budget that that has been rolling over the last six eight years under two percent of that it gets invested back into the infrastructure of an area that pays a quarter of the property tax base in this town i'm not saying that that my friends and constituents in this area say we want every dime back that we put in. We all realize that we have a responsibility, but at some point in time, you cash cow out the infrastructure and we're going to end up being the district in need of help 10, 15 and 20 years from now. So when we're saying, Oh, there's an investment to be made here. Know that we have significantly under uh, invested in the infrastructure and all of the, the surrounding ecosystem of the district that's throwing off a lot of the cash that allows us to do a lot of this stuff. And a lot of private investment has been made certainly in that area. So it's, it's not that there is a complete disinvestment in South Charlotte. Obviously there just hasn't been the public investment to your point on some of the public infrastructure projects. Um, A lot of that work has been able to be done by the private sector during the private sector development and infrastructure investments. And that's, that's good. But again, we have, we have investments that have already been made that, are not being maximized and for us to um, not move forward with something that is already literally ready to, to hit go right yeah, now exactly. is, is crazy. So I think we made the right decision there. Um, I advocated as well that we try to find the dollars we've got with moving forward with those three connector pieces of to connect all the trail that's already there uh, leaves, I think $2.7 million. And I'd like to see what is a six, six and a half million dollar project. The fifth street, sixth street, uh, cycle track that would connect over to the Irwin and Stewart Creek greenways. I'd like to see us find the funding for that. I think when we talk about equity in the sense that, uh, some of the disinvested areas of our city do not have access to a lot of infrastructure like this, this fifth, sixth street cycle track would not only connect all the people who will have access to the cross Charlotte trail, 
into and through uptown, which will actually make it a transportation option for folks who work uptown. Obviously, our biggest concentration of of office space um, and workers, but it will connect it to a greenway network that already exists, infrastructure that's already been invested in in West Charlotte, which is an area that has not had access to the Cross Charlotte Trail to date. So. I think that's a great opportunity for equity. It's a great opportunity to connect other parts of the city and connect through uptown in a way that will make it much more usable for a lot of people who will want to use it, not just to, uh, to recreate, which is your favorite word I use, but, um, <laughs> it, but as a transportation option. So I hope that we move quickly on those now because, you know, those cost estimates, someone asked tonight, they said, well, how are these cost estimates good forever? No. <laughs> not yes yes they are <laughs> that's not how estimates work um, <laughs> or cost or time <laughs> oh man it's this is the things that get asked are amazing uh, um no that's not how cost estimates work you can't just hold on to a quote someone gave you typically they're years only later good go, for 200 years <laughs> over the 200 year mark a lot changes but up until that point yeah. they're exactly spot on safe to say uh we have to act on them when they're given to us or they change. And so let's go ahead and act on them. Uh, Will this cheese stay fresh forever? <laughs> well, it depends on what kind of cheese yes. it is. Ah, if it's Velveeta, point. it might. All right. I'm uh, over my head. That's your area of expertise. Is. What else do we talk about? So, four-year terms. Oh, come take on. The, take the wheel. Tark, take the wheel. <sighs> I mean, this is, uh, you know, this is the thing you've been pushing for so long. Yeah, because I'm huge into this. Actually, I've been six-year terms and like a two a $295,000 quarterly salary. That's called United States Senate. Um, the point is, like, like I, I hate that we're even spending time on it now. The point is, much like scooters in 2018. Just make it stop. We take stupid topics uh, and spend... 20 times the amount of time debating them and discussing them and talking Scooters around them. are important. Then we need they to. They didn't require the amount of time we needed. Then we need to. So once again, the four-year term discussion, I've adamantly said, I think it's dumb. I think no one campaigned on it. I think the community is not out crying that this is a big need. I think it's been something that popped up after the campaign season and started being something we discussed internally. And I think it's dumb. There's things we should be focusing on otherwise. And, uh, but it has, here's where I'm a pragmatist, right? It seems that there is a majority of council members who support this thing. So rather than just burn another eight quarters in a row talking about this, I just kind of raised my hand and said, let's just look, if you're going to do it, just do it. (coughs) It, and and my only my only hope is that you bring it to the voters in a referendum because know that if you don't and you try to go behind their back, which one of our colleagues was was basically promoting or, or positioning for, all they need is five thousand signatures to put it on the ballot for you, and it's going to be a lot worse if you do it that way. So they will absolutely but get way. the signatures to put it on the ballot for you. So all my point was is. We've burnt so many cycles, so many news headlines on something so stupid. Just get it done. Put it out there if you're going to do it. Get it done as quickly as possible. Don't put it in an off cycle that's going to cost the taxpayers more money and I will, to I do will a separate say, I vote on. I don't think anybody had an appetite to have a special election for this, thankfully. I would have ridiculed anybody who had proposed a special election that would have cost us a half million dollars. But there was an argument made by one of our colleagues, Councilwoman Mayfield, today that she voted against it, 
because she, Ed Driggs and I voted against it because we right. just don't want it and it's dumb and it needs to stop. She actually voted against it for the exact opposite reason, which is she doesn't want to bring it to a referendum. She believes, right. I think she said political will versus political. That's different than what I said. I don't think anybody had the appetite if it was going to a referendum to do a special election, which would have cost taxpayers. God, I hope not. Because um, I, I would have, I would have publicly shamed anyone who'd, who'd taken that path. She thought. Why don't you publicly shame anyone who's wasting time literally well, debating I mean, this I, right now? I agreed with you wholeheartedly and, and vocalized that in the meeting that let's just move on. And, and I do, unlike you, I do think that a four year term staggered is a best practice for a city our size. I think it, it leads to more effective government. I think there are studies. Really? I do. More but, effective government? Yeah. Or I, more entrenched government. No, and you th- can't get people out. I think you can get more done. I think if you, you're doing your job. Your 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 results. You're not going to change my mind. I'm not going to change yours. And here's the here's the here's the catch, or here's the upshot. We're not going to change hardly any voters' minds one way or the other. So yeah, it's this just is all for fail. nothing. They're going to come back and absolutely resoundingly say, "Do your job, and right. I'll elect you." At best, Don't tell at me best, how at long best you it will need fail to stay. sixty forty. Oh, so it's brutal. Man. And that's if we change a lot of hearts and minds. What a waste of time. I think that it should be for your staggered terms. But I'm not going to spend a lot of my time or political capital on fighting that when I ran on affordable housing. We're 50 transit. out of 50 in upward right. mobility. We've so, got a 24,000 unit crisis in affordable housing. I got bigger housing. fish to fry. I mean, I mean, so, how could we possibly spend time doing stuff like this? Um, it's just so frustrating. What was the what was the outcome tonight? We <laughs> I don't, we're not done. <laughs> not yet. But we're, we're not I think done. We're voting next week on putting an ordinance, which we would have to word. On the ballot, we then have a public hearing where people could come and comment on it, and I'm sure they will. Um, that should be fun. But here's the problem. No matter what, we're still burning more cycles. There are still countless news cycles Steps. where this is going to be the headline. It's just... what, well, Whatever. And the idea that people wouldn't be able to get 5,000 signatures, that's a really low bar. I mean, if the, if the threshold were 50,000 signatures, you could say, hey, we could force this through. I'd feel uneasy about that, but you could do it. And probably somebody I'm going to pull together 50,000 signatures. 5,000 signatures is not hard in a city of 850,000 people. You could literally do that in one day, I would imagine. That'd be a little aggressive. I don't know, man. All right, we've spent enough time talking about it. See? Here we go again. We're Uh, back in the cycle. Boards and commissions. Oh, man. We this was a tough one too. We made well. We we thought we made a change, and then what we actually was that was I like was I uh, naive in not understanding what was presented today? I think the way that it was framed that caught you off guard was also an oversimplification. So I saw a red line statement that said, "Hey, would you like to change this for boards and commissions?" That says, "Strike out. You have to be a voter registered in Mecklenburg. Voter registered in Mecklenburg voter in Mecklenburg. You have to be and a replace it with." Of- a resident, resident of Mecklenburg. Mecklenburg. So my gut reaction is, all right, well, I would prefer that we promote people to register to vote because voting is good and we need more people to vote. But all right, I can see if maybe we want to have a wider tent and, and say that's not a requirement. And then what yeah. happened? Well, and again, I think it was oversimplified. Some people's motivations, and I can't, I can't tell you what other people's motivations were. One of the things that has been discussed and some of the people that we've heard from in the community is, at times, it would preclude somebody who maybe has lost their right to vote for a criminal offense, but they're getting back into society, uh, they've rehabilitated, whatever. That was one of the circumstances that was brought to my attention. So I, I don't think it was 
Uh, it was brought up tonight, both by uh, Councilmember Driggs, who obviously had concerns about it, and it caused him to vote no, and was brought up by other people who are on my side of the issue where we, we think this is okay, that on some of these boards and commissions, particularly one I served on, the Charlotte International Cabinet, if we have undocumented citizens in this community who are residents of this community, most many of whom are paying taxes, I think that it's okay for them to be serving on these boards and having their voice heard in our community. They're contributing members of our community. That Agree or disagree, I'm not asking to debate. I know, I know that other people have different feelings. It was painted by some as like that was the uh, the whole reason we were doing this, and that wasn't the case. That's how it was one. That's how it was positioned right when they said it. This is literally so we can get undocumented immigrants to the ability to serve. Is that not how it was portrayed by the people who seem to be to seem to be In navigating the emotional this. response to Councilmember Driggs's decrying that idea. Yes, two council members. I don't know if he was decrying it. In I mean, was, I think he was asking the question: Would an undocumented immigrant now be able to serve on these boards? He was clearly against not that concept, to. which he has the right to be. Uh, Councilman Mayfield and Councilmember uh, Winston both said, "Well, yes, that's." They painted it as the reason it was being done. I think it was. It is, it, it is impacted by what's being done. I don't think it is the sole purpose for what is being done. Again, I think people who are reentering society from uh, having criminal offenses, things like that, there is logic behind it. Plenty of our peer cities have language that is more aligned with what we are moving towards. Um, yeah, but that, that does not impact real. the Civil Service Board or the Citizens Review Board, uh, both of which have some kind of legal authority that's different from our other boards and commissions. So those are not impacted. Those you still would have to be a registered voter. Um, we, I think we thought we passed it nine to two with you and Ed dissenting, but then we were told, well, that wasn't explicitly on the agenda as something we were going to be taking up for a vote tonight. So what we really did was advance it, I think, to next week's business meeting where we will take an official vote on it, which I suspect will pass with that same nine two head but, count. But I think put aside your political views on should you take the law into your own hands when the land of the, the law of the land is still unsolved in this space and you know i could i could make a compelling argument for why that's not the best policy same policy for i, I think this is more akin though to the 287g debate which each side can argue the validity of the database and what it is but at the end of the day it sends a message to ice to a general assembly of primarily Republicans, things like that of it, it, it's looks, smells and sounds like sanctuary city. Like you're sending those messages. And when we are going and asking them to one, continue to build, bridge the relationship that has been poor in the past and do things for us, right? Like subpoena power for the CRB and different things like that it would be probably a pretty good approach for us not to go around and, and just to make a point or soapbox sacrifice or put at risk some other things that everyone's been trying to figure out for a while. I mean, does that not seem logical to you? Yeah. I don't think this is soapboxing. I really don't, I don't think that the, no, because I think if you look at, at who voted for it, it's not all people who have a tendency to, to look for opportunities to soapbox. I, I don't think that the response to Ed's comments was helpful, but I do. Think, but, but I do think that us just saying 
immigrants in this community who are undocumented, but again, many of whom are working, who are, are residents here, who are taxpayers, who are contributing to the economy, contributing to our, our community. I don't think us saying they have a right to have a seat at the table and a voice in the, in the conversation on some of the issues that we talk about in these boards and commissions is inappropriate or is in any way should be viewed as, as us declaring ourselves a sanctuary city. I think that's a, I, that's I, a reach I, I think, think to get from one of those to the other. Look, I think there's an argument to be made on either side of the aisle for why that's a good or a bad thing standalone in, in its own right. What I'm saying is I'm not even trying to make that argument. What I'm trying to say is you and I are co-chairs of the Intergovernmental Relations Committee. We are working our asses off to try to figure out a way to continue to build a bridge between state and municipal governments that have had a long track record of uh, of of really unproductive, unhealthy relationships. And we've, with the mayor and others, have made great progress there. I feel like we're we're dangerously hovering around areas that could be backtracking there. I think not if we're genuine about what we're doing. I think I don't I don't think this is a slippery slope. I think we are moving forward what we want. Um, other things were brought up tonight that were shot down by even some of the the more vocal supporters of the first thing that was passed. Um, because they said that's a bad idea and it undermines the other work that we're doing to your point. So um, I think that we've built a relationship and certainly the mayor's built a relationship in Raleigh where if someone has questions or concerns about what we will likely vote on and, and pass next week, they'll call and they'll say, Mayor Lyles or Tark or Larkin or whoever, this, this isn't the start of something bigger, is it, or, or whatever. And we say, no, it's genuinely not. This is what we, we've set out to do. We've done it. We're just saying these people have a, a voice at the table. And, and not only undocumented people, but that anybody in our community should be able to have a seat at the table and a voice in the conversation as it relates to the direction of our community. And that's, it is what it is, nothing more, nothing less. And I think we've built that trust that people will know that when we say that, we mean it. And I, I don't think it, it triggers some irrational fear in Raleigh or, or elsewhere um, that we're, we're doing something nefarious. Yeah, I, I guess at the end of the day, there's a human aspect to this. I get it. I'm not trying to be heartless. This is a great example of this is political. This is politics in nature. And we're asking, and a lot of us who 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 have been, you, I mean, you've worked just as hard on this as, as many others. We've used the RNC vote and other things to really position this would be a great show of faith back. And I just, I feel like we have to be more politically sensitive about things we do and pick and choose our battles. I Which mean, again, I think it. that most of our colleagues demonstrated that nuanced understanding of what you just said, based on the fact that when something else was proposed that would have been more of a cage rattler down in Raleigh, probably it got promptly shot down. And so I, I think if people were just soapboxing or just trying to grandstand or, or, you know, beat their chest about something, a lot of the people who voted for what we advanced tonight would have also voted for the secondary proposal which they didn't even beyond the secondary I, I i hear your point all i'm saying is even beyond the secondary proposal when two of our colleagues said this is about undocumented immigrants I, how did no one else take pause there like i did i was about to vote for this and then i was like wait a minute what i mean did everyone else know? Did you guys have some kind of like caucus meeting where no, where you all planned this out? Or what? and I don't, I'd have to go back and look and see who all was was copied on it. But we've heard from people in the community who are calling for this for a multitude of reasons. 
one of them is is focused on the immigrant community. One of them is focused on people reentering society from the criminal justice system. So it's again, it's it's a more complex issue than it was portrayed to be tonight. That was an unfortunate way to portray it, uh, admittedly. Okay. But um, let's just hope this so. isn't a thing. Hopefully, hopefully, there's this was the last time we'll talk about it, and it won't impact any of the work a lot of people have been doing on our legislative agenda. I don't think it will. And again, I think we've built the trust and, and the mayor's built the trust that we can have that conversation. Yeah. If anybody gets the wrong impression and, and good point, nip that in the bud. I agree. I agree. Uh, so the last big one is we, uh, Tom Warshower came and presented yeah. from the city came and presented a food insecurity, um, food market study. And Charlotte is, and I think anybody who has gone looking for uh, these type of places will will quickly realize this is the case, if only anecdotally. Now it's statistically proven. Charlotte has really, really uh, dropped the ball on the number of food markets we have, on the number of those food markets, like produce markets, farmers markets, that take SNAP, EBT, those sort of bene- uh, food benefits, payment methods, for the amount of... Uh, money that people are spending per capita on local produce. It's really like in every measure we are near the at or near the bottom with peer cities. And, you know, I just was in Cleveland in December. I was just in Milwaukee last summer. Every other big city in this country has really iconic, historic um, farmers markets, food markets. And we just don't, I mean, the one that we have, the state, Agri, uh, state agriculture center that we have out on Yorkmont, the state farmers market is woefully underutilized. It's, it's actually a pretty decent market, but in comparison to the ones in Raleigh and, and Asheville, uh, it pales in comparison. It it's not nearly as compelling. I think we can make it more exciting. I think we can give people more reasons to go there. We've got to increase access. Uh, one of the proposals and something that I doubled down on, cause I'd seen it in Atlanta when we were there for the chamber inner city visit was having pop-up mark farmers markets at transit stops where people can access them, say, every Wednesday at the transit center downtown, there's a pop-up produce market. Um, we've got to give people more access to food for all the grocery stores that pop up in South Charlotte, in Center City, in North Charlotte. There are areas of the city that have no access to fresh, um, fresh fruits and vegetables, fresh produce, um, or meats and, and dairy and it, it, and then it's a burden on them to be able to get to the places where they can get that kind of food. And so when we wonder why we have health problems in this community, we wonder why people are hungry in this community or, eat, or eating really um, nutrient-lacking food, it's because we, they don't have the access that a lot of us have to it. So we've got to find ways to improve this. The asks at the end of this presentation were literally rounding errors, and I, I will – I will fight to, to find the money in the budget this year for those. I mean, we're talking like a couple hundred thousand dollars to kickstart some of these initiatives to strengthen the markets that we have, bring them into more of kind of an alliance where they're working together uh, to market and to, um, again, increase the benefit acceptance. But we, uh, we're really missing the boat on that. And I think it's not only a food access and an equity issue, but it's also something that these markets, when I was in Cleveland, I made the mention of this at the meeting tonight, the first three people that I knew that had either lived in Cleveland or spent a lot of time there, I said, what's the like, thing I got to see while I'm there? And they, the first three people I asked, they all said the market, like the, the famous market uh, in Cleveland. And it really was 
breathtaking. It's this beautiful, like hundred year old building. One of the coolest places I've ever been in. These are, these are places that are tourism draws and they're economic engines. So, um, I think we, we've got the opportunity long-term to find some way to build something iconic like that. But in the meantime, we've got to strengthen what's there. Look, I, well, first and foremost, we need more Krispy Kremes in direct geographic um, proximity with that hot and ready sign. Is that included in that data, do you think? That is not. That's probably something I don't need. That's like farm to tape. Dude, Krispy Kremes are... I mean, it is at least North Carolina local, but... Right. Uh, in all seriousness, what was in, what was your main yeah, in, in all seriousness, from, from I think what, so all that data actually was very very interesting to see. And to see like we're super strong when compared to a lot of those peer cities um in the acreage of of farms that are nearby in in growing season. Grow all the weather, all that stuff, but then to see how much of it actually kind of permeates into the market share of what produce people are buying here that to me was shocking to see in 100 counties in north carolina 88 of them have these uh, designated agricultural districts we're the only urban county in the state that doesn't but beyond that I, I i think what jumped out at me was you just now in your comments a couple of our other colleagues who spoke all jumped to we need to put taxpayer dollars into putting a big central behemoth of place where everyone can gather. I said I guess, long term. I'm in the short term. I jump more about in strengthening the, what we have. Yeah, but, and I jump more in the short term or maybe even in the long term to Charlotte does poorly w- at being marketed and told, Hey, change your behaviors. And it does well when, when people figure out how to I- incorporate new things or existing things into their current life experiences. We, for the most part, live in two buckets in Charlotte. We're either in an area that's surrounded by 50 Harris Teeters or we're in an area that doesn't have a lot of that. Why don't we figure out ways to incent where we all already go and shop for our food that literally hardly has any local options at it to start doing that? I, I threw out the idea similar to your green food restaurant stamp of ceiling approvals whatever that thing was called do that for the for the harris teeters in the local grocery stores to say you can get this thing stamp of approval or rating if you make sure that you mark clearly these are different areas and and maybe have more so then now we're dealing with a smaller problem which is who's kind of in these food desert areas right it's not a smaller problem i mean it I, becomes I, a smaller problem if your- you knock out 70 percent of the city and, and all of a sudden, our percentages start going up of who's shopping local, and all of a sudden, that, that becomes a thriving market. You're that's, right. that's a much Your idea problem. is a strong one, and it, it gives a Plaza Midwood shopper or a South Park shopper a way to support local agriculture. Yes. But that doesn't in any way chip away at the food desert situation, which is an, an immense problem where people who often don't have their own form of tran- or transportation – don't have access anywhere near their home to food other than at convenience stores and corner stores. Uh, where but you know what makes that and- part easier when your su- when your supply starts to grow because demand just just goes off the charts. All of a sudden, those problems become easier to solve. So rather than say, "How do we go?" So how? I mean, our percentage of people that literally buy local food around here, whether you're in a affluent part of town or not, are abysmal. So if you start if you start simple in an area that can be solved with within the the current the current model of how people 
shop for food today, which isn't, oh yeah, there's this huge uh, farmer's market that's open in these hours in the middle of an area that's not anywhere close to where I'm driving around uh, and I have to make a special trip out there. That doesn't fit in the life experience of how a lot of people are shopping today. So just break it into small pieces. And and I agree. I mean, these, these local farm to table things, our community, I think, especially millennials in this area, they love that stuff. That, I mean, that that is exactly what they want. The problem is it, it doesn't fit in the parameters of how they live today. And that's why I think the numbers we saw tonight are just so so low. But I think if we take the market that's out there on Yorkmont, if we were to incorporate things into it that make it a more desirable destination, if there were a, a restaurant out there, even if it was just open on Saturdays, or if there were cooking classes, or there were live music, or there were activities going on, if we had, it's not but two miles, probably less, from the light rail, if we had an express bus on Saturdays that just ran from whatever the closest, let's say like the Woodlawn area light rail station back and forth to the, to the major state farmer's market on the hour from the time that the market's open to the time it closes, if we had a couple of ways that made the connection easier to get there, more things that made it worth being there and staying there and spending time there, ways that we could teach people how to use the produce that they're buying to cook healthy meals at home. If we made that place a destination, it would become a destination right now. It's just a big metal shed and there's not a whole lot compelling about it. There's some good food to be had out there. And I used to spend a lot of time out there when I had time to spend getting stuff every weekend that I wanted to cook that week. And, and so you could get really good stuff, but there's nothing that keeps you there. There's nothing that draws you there. If you don't need to go shopping, it's not much of a destination. And so I think in the ways that Asheville and, and Raleigh have utilized their markets, I think we could be more aggressive about trying to make that a real asset in our community. But then I also think we can support the smaller markets that are dotted around the community just through marketing efforts and through getting them together to pool their resources, pool their marketing dollars and pool their collective voices to make sure people know where those are and make sure that when people get there, if their form of payment is through government assistance like SNAP or EBT, that they can get the same produce that you and I can get when we go there. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily think that you're right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, may, maybe it is. I just I think when you make these destinations and make transportation easier, I, Charlotte isn't Asheville. Charlotte isn't some of these other markets. I think you're just going to slightly incrementally increase who's there. I don't I, you need a big, innovative, disruptive idea of of where we got to make the market Instagrammable. People need to Instagram. They need to want to Instagram from there. Yes. No, that's totally not. Sadly, thing. that is. Well, here, here's how it changes. And, and and this is representative of my world, but my world probably is some of these areas of low hanging fruit, so to speak. That's pun a beautiful intended. pun. I need to walk into Harris Teeter and see a huge section that says this is local stuff Buy this. If I see that, and know that's there. Great. Fantastic. I'll go do it. They don't even carry it today, let alone mark an area where that is. If I know that, and local stuff doesn't mean 250 miles away, it means within the, you know, 11 county region or whatever it is. So um, that, I mean, that that is not that complicated, but I think would make a huge difference as it relates to who's buying that stuff. I mean, my wife would be all over that stuff, man. But we also have to take it to the places where people already are that aren't just grocery stores. Because again, if you don't have access to a grocery store, 
Those, totally those, agree. Those programs yeah. don't work. Yeah, so yeah, totally. if people are spending time at rec centers, if they're spending time at libraries, if they're spending time at transit stops, and we can make their life easier by bringing it to where they are, I think we've got to look for those it just opportunities becomes, too. The, the more demand that comes up through access in the areas where people already live today means the more supply that is ultimately going to start. There'll be more farmers. They'll, they'll be filling gaps that, that don't exist today. And with all of that, the economies of scale come in, which will make the food desert situation more manageable to solve. Hopefully not all, not, not all that supply increase means it will get to the places it needs to go though. Some of that has to be, some of that we have to put our thumb on the scale. And I got to be totally honest. I have no idea about food production. I am not an expert. I'm just using some logic. You look logic. like an Amish farmer. We both look like we've had a lot of experience with food. But I'll tell you, it's I've more on the consumption lot, side. It's, it's not really worked very well. I do not have a green thumb. I'll kill out. anything, man. I'll literally kill. I have I can, a greenhouse, too. I can. Do you? Yeah. I've, I've managed to kill I store a succulents. lot of like spare parts in there. It's entirely. hard to kill succulents, but I can do it. Mm-hmm. Delicious. They, they don't even need water, hmm. which I think is the problem. I try to water them anyway. What else, man? You got anything else to talk about? This was a long day. It was. A bit irritating. And I'm content to end it as soon as you are. Trying to see if we got anything exciting coming up. We do have this week our first budget workshop on Wednesday. So that'll be interesting as we start to dive into the yeah what seems months-long budget process. I think it seems that way because it is that way. I think I need to shave my beard. What do you think? I keep touching it all the time, which is super Works for weird. me because I think someone confused. We did just do um, the Creative Mornings on Friday. That oh, went very yeah. well. Um, <laughs> but I'll tell you before you brag about your rap. I'm not going to talk about my awesome hip-hop rap And then you, you had better things to do, so you did not join Braxton and Dimple and I on the uh, – Braxton and Dimple and me on the <laughs> Charlotte's Creative Podcast. But that episode should be coming out like – Midweek, I think. I bet it was terrible. It was good, me. actually. Probably better for you not being there. But um, I, I like the idea of you shaving the beard because I'm pretty sure that someone confused remarks you made with remarks I made because I got an email that accused me of saying something that sounded more like something you had said. Was it that you hate old people? Yes. I got the same. I think I got the same email. Oh, uh, and I said I th- I think you might be. Mistaken. I love old people. Well, and I said and I and I gave you cover. I said I think you might be mistaking me for my colleague who has a similar beard that people often reference as confusing to them, uh, judge keeping the two of us straight. But I did say I think he was kidding in the thing he said. I replied back and said, uh, I have a strange sense and of And I said, humor. I don't think he I said, don't kidding. elect old people. He just said, keep electing young people, which not necessarily the same comment. That's right. I'll we'll have to compare I emails, love, see, if that was, people, man. see if that was the same. But I, uh, I think I got blamed for your remark. Thank you for that. Um, yeah. Did we do it? Did we get another? I think Episode so. 53, Super Bowl 53. Go, ch- go check out Tarek's Facebook page if you want to see him rap. It was, uh, it was not awesome. as terrible as most of the things he tries to do to be funny. I think we need more rap in uh in, I think in, you set the bar, and if you keep trying now, you'll just, it'll no, just that's be a disappointment. It. That's a one, one and done. I can't, right. I can't do better than that. No, you point. definitely can't. Yeah. I didn't even think you could do that well. Thank you. So you should stop while you're ahead. I had a I had a bunch of one liner zingers in there, man. It was a good time. I appreciate that group. That was a nice group. I can't wait to go back to that event. Good times. Thanks to Matt and Tim from Creative Mornings. Yep. Check out their podcast, Charlotte is Creative. And uh 
Make sure you tell your friends about our podcast, R&D in the QC. Like it. Episode 53. Rate it. Share it. Share it. That's all you can do to it. Dude, I think it's time for us to wrap this up. Comment on it. Comment on it. All right, so that's it, huh? We got nothing else? Budget this week? Is anything else important? I think that there's a... Let's call it a... Let's call it a... I'm done. All right, folks. This was another episode of R&D in the QC. 